0: Hey, it's Skippy for Mornings with Lone Star. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on (laughs) IRLoneStar.com.
1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Business Hour. This, of course, is Rick Schisler, your host for today's show, and I'm a founder of OneBestConsult.com, where we offer common sense mentoring to small business clients. I encourage you to take a minute and visit us at our website, One, that's the number one, BestConsult.com. I also want to thank our show sponsor, AllegraHR.com, and I encourage you to visit their website, That's Allegra, A-L-E-G-R-E-H-R. Let's face it, every business that has one or more employees has HR, human resources, if you're not sure what that means. And it's important that you know how to deal with your employees. It's important to know exactly what you can and can't do when you hire people, what you can do while you're working them, what kind of incentives to use. And of course, if it comes a time when you have to terminate somebody, it's obviously very important you do it right. AllegraHR.com, that's where you can get information. These folks are available to you. They're available all over the world, but they serve clients from as few as 510 to 500 to 5,000, a great organization. And we appreciate AllegraHR.com for being our sponsor of the Weekly Business Hour. I want to remind you, as I typically do, that we're on Facebook, and I'd appreciate it if you'd go to Facebook and like us. We have a page, the Weekly Business Hour page. Like us there, and if you'd like, take some time, set up an alert so that when we post the podcast of this show each Wednesday, that you'll be alerted that the show has been posted. You can take a look at the synopsis, which tells you who the guests were, what we talked about, some of the main discussion points. If something looks interesting, obviously you can click through and listen to the show. So thank you again for joining us. And today we have some wonderful guests with us. We have Phil Sanchez, the founder of Adventist Healthcare. Phil's a previous guest from several years ago, so we're going to do a good old catch-up. A lot of things have changed in the world, and a lot of things have changed in Phil's business. Also joining us in the expert corner, we have Alan Stroud. He's a partner with the Beck Law LLC. He's also a CPA and has his master's in taxation, and we'll be talking again, a continuation of a discussion we started about a month ago on the 2018 Tax Act. And I'll close out today's show with... My one best consult tip of the week, how do I share my business information with my employees? So I encourage you at this point, sit back, grab your pad and pencil, and get ready to take notes as we talk about business right here on the Weekly Business Hour. And let me also remind you, at any point during the show or after the show, if you've got a comment, a question, even a question about your own business, please email me, rick at IRLoneStar.com. Love to get those questions, comments, and I particularly enjoy getting questions about your business. And I will respond and give you my best answer for what's bothering you in your business. Let's have a few quick announcements before we move on. Uh, The chamber here, the Conroe, Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce has got a lot of great things coming up. First of all, they wanna remind you, and I do too, that we're coming into Small Business Week. That's now through May 5th. And the encouragement there is for people to go out and encourage and do business with their small businesses. You're listening, you're a small business. Be sure you tell people, put a sign in the window, put something on your website, tell them it's Small Business Week and you're welcome them, especially this week, to do business with you. Also, don't want to forget that tomorrow, May 1st, Chamber Chat right here on IR Lone Star Community Radio, FM 104, FM 106.1. You can listen to Chamber Chat. They always have a great conversation with business people in the area and I encourage you to tune in at 11 o'clock tomorrow for Chamber Chat right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And on May 4th, the end of the week, Friday, they have a great uh, opportunity for those in the business world and who wanna learn a little bit more about leadership. They have LeaderCast 2018. They're hosting it this year here in Conroe. And I encourage you, if you wanna learn, they've got some international, national, well-known speakers talking about leadership. You can get tickets, just go to the website for the, uh, for the Chamber it's Conroe.org. It's just simply Conroe.org. I encourage you to do that and stay up with your education on small business. Well, never forget opportunities are right there in front of you. All you have to do is get up and seize them. The Weekly Business hours is where Montgomery County and businesses really throughout the world come to talk about the latest in business news, ideas to improve your business, and to hear from some of our own local business leaders on how they have found success right here in Montgomery County. And remember, you can find a podcast of the show on Wednesday. That'll be Wednesday of this week, May 2nd. It'll be posted, as I mentioned earlier, on Facebook, but it's also on YouTube at the Weekly Business Hour channel. So look for the podcast. If you want to re-listen to something or you want to pass on some information to someone, send them a link to that podcast. Well, now let's crank up and do the real show, what we showed up today to do. And that's really to talk with Phil Sanchez, as I mentioned. He's the founder of Advantis Healthcare. Phil, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Excited to be back. Well, I'm glad to have you back.
1: You know, I I took a look at your website, as I do with most of my guests, and I I was amazed. I mean, your business has exploded. Tell us, just in a general sense, what's going on at Advantis Healthcare?
2: Well, uh, I think when we last spoke, we were in the position of going through kind of a mergers and acquisitions of trying to diversify our healthcare portfolio by just creating or building or buying new facilities, outpatient facilities for uh, patients, and so inevitably from that perspective, we had a great opportunity to to get engaged with some uh, partners that allowed us to expand on that from the diagnostic side from imaging to getting into more expansions on our pharmaceutical side by acquiring some pharmacies. And so again, our whole position in the healthcare portfolio of our business was to essentially create a full circle of outpatient services that physicians could utilize and integrate in their practice to essentially take care of their patients. And so from that philosophy of us to try to expand upon that allowed us for this potential, this real big growth spurt that we had, which has been a, a I think a, a wonderful ability that we had regarding our philosophy of putting patients first and so with our initial business having that same philosophy of the structure of having patients be first it allowed us to expand upon that same thing with everything else that we're doing and so from that standpoint alone it has been just extremely exciting for us to continually grow and still look for more opportunities and so that's what we're doing right now now let's just kind of
1: back up a little bit because when i went to your website and in this patient first thing i mean right now there's tremendous turmoil if you will and change in the healthcare industry but as a layman a user of services but someone who's not in the industry it's kind of confusing all the things that are going on basically you've gone to the physician practices or physician groups and you're providing a lot of ancillary services
2: is that correct correct exactly and so we look at the physicians uh, as small business owners essentially so our objective at the end of the day as is- working with small business owners is to try to diversify their positioning and try to increase these revenue cycles that they could in, you know, put throughout their practice. And again, with that mindset of us thinking that we have two customers, essentially, we have the patient and we have the physician. Our, our goal now is to take care of both. And so having this, you know, expansion of services to be able to integrate has allowed us to really help them achieve their definition of success.
1: you know one thing that's interesting to me as a patient a lot of times i would go see a doctor and if i needed any kind of test x-ray or whatever it might be i was sent somewhere else an unaffiliated unrelated maybe in a different part of town Uh, it was very cumbersome and then always the concern about my health insurance whether it was the right how have you helped solve or improve that situation
2: well i think it's You know, going back to what you said initially, with there's so much changes in healthcare and everything going on because there is a lot of volatility in the industry of healthcare in itself. And so our goal is to kind of always stay ahead of the curve of understanding what's going on as far as with the insurances, how to really help out the patient, and again navigate this complexity of healthcare in general. I mean, the big issue right now is we have you know almost four trillion dollars a year in spending in healthcare. That is you know what is that? I almost 18 percent of the GDP. That's 33% of the federal budget goes into healthcare. So again, even patients with the complexity of understanding, you know, where these expenses come from and all this, you know, turmoil in it, our objective is to help them really navigate through that and allow them to understand the full spectrum of, you know, what their billing is, what insurances we take, et cetera. So going again, that patient education, not only by providing an outpatient service, but also educating and helping a patient become more informed allows them to really select what service is best for them. And not every, not every patient is a perfect fit for our outpatient services, but at least they're informed now so they can understand, should we utilize this pharmacy? Should we go to this imaging center? Should we go to, you know, this outpatient surgical center or whatever it may be? Again, I think a more informed patient allows them to have a better, let's say, you know, customer service aspect of their actual health care.
1: You know, one of the things I've noticed, and, and, and it seems like your model just fits right in with this, is we as patients have to become more responsible for our health care. It's not like somebody's just putting us down on a list and telling us where to go. And your kind of model gives me options, gives me information is what I'm hearing so that I can assume that responsibility with some degree of control.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, with any population that is, you know, utilizing, obviously everyone uses healthcare at some, you know, form. And so at the end of the day, when you look at it and you break it down to take out some of the accountability that you're mentioning, it's very important. I mean, right now in any population area, only 25 to 30% is actually controlled by medicine. The other 70% are so socially and environmentally, you know, attributed to their health. So again, patients accountability to be cognizant of what they're doing in their lifestyle is really what dictates the actual, you know, their health. And so at that point, it puts us in a position to really help the patient also understand what they can do, you know, with their own selves, to take some of that accountability, which will help out for a better healthcare experience too, as well. Well, it sounds like you guys are on a great track.
1: Believe it or not, we're at the end of our first session wow. here this morning. <laughs> it just whizzes by, but I, I particularly ap- appreciate your education and learning about your business. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. and we come back, we're going to continue talking to Phil about how he has managed this growth, this tremendous growth. It's always a challenge when you grow, particularly fitting different pieces together. And some of the other challenges that he has faced in his business. So please stay with us and we'll be right back with you.
3: resources play a huge role in today's business world and can be a real challenge for small businesses Allegre is a premier option in small business hr solutions and needs Allegre hr advisors provide help to small business owners by allowing them to focus on operational needs while providing solutions that address all areas of human resources to find out more contact Allegre hr advisors today at 281 620 0713 or visit allegrehr.com.
1: You are listening to the Weekly Business Hour. And again, this is Rick Schistler, your host for the show. And we're here having a conversation with Phil Sanchez, the founder of Advantage Healthcare. Bill, when we left uh, for that break, we were talking about some of the reasons that your company does what it does and the model that you're pursuing, which my comment is that sounds like you're absolutely headed in the right direction. But this massive, as you said, $4 trillion industry you're trying to, uh, to kind of be involved in and, and participate in and hopefully be profitable in. You've, as you said early on, you've, you're building, you're growing, you're acquiring you got a lot of balls in the air, a lot of pieces on the move. How do you make that happen every day?
2: I think it's by writing it out, actually. So I have a goal board that I put out there that actually I can see something tangible to achieve. And so for me, I think that's one big thing that I've always kind of instilled is writing out exactly what I want to achieve and then breaking it into a point that actually is realistic a lot of people will take on, you know, the whole mountain when instead they could just climb a little bit at a time. And so I have put myself in a position to think that way through and really put myself in a way that I can have um, attainable results. And so that's been the mindset from our, our business, from Advantis Healthcare. And I think that's what's even made us more exciting than ever right now is because, believe it or not, you know, kind of getting into the segue about the business aspect. You know, we've changed our uh, company, actually, believe it or not, from Advantis Healthcare to Advantis. And the reason why we've kind of dropped the healthcare aspect is because we're finding out right now that everything that we've done in the healthcare industry has allowed us to navigate business in general. And so again, our position now is to, you know, still have this complementary service of healthcare as our portfolio, but expand through the physician network that we have accumulated into other services as far as Um, You know, we're getting into real estate now as well with with medical as our forefront. So we're creating our first medical plaza up in uh, Grand Parkway in Kirkendall. So we're consolidating these business owners, which are physicians that we work with every day. And we're looking at it from a standpoint of how can we make them as successful as we've been. And so that is what we're taking into the future. And it will always be driven by our backbone, which is healthcare. But inevitably, what we find is at the end of the day, these are small business owners that are looking To do exactly what we've done to find success achieve success and create it with the help of Avantis. well
1: you know one of the keys if not the major key in, in my experience and opinion and working with clients is finding the right people as you grow a company like you're growing particularly where it's on this this trajectory that's not quite straight up but real close what's
2: the secret in your opinion of finding and keeping the right people i think uh everyone's probably seen Marcus's show where he talks about people processes and product. And so people is, you know, the first thing that's described. And I think that's the most invaluable tool is to have the right people around you. And so again, I've always been a big believer. If you're in the, if you're in a room and you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So you want to position yourself around people that can help motivate yourself to continually go after whatever that definition of success is, whether it's monetarily or you're trying to create a legacy or you're trying to build something whatever that is, get people around and you have to change the, the people that you have. I mean, you've got to find good talent. You, you know, you're referring to an HR company earlier. I think that's always imperative that you have great HR benefits and things of that nature too. But at the end of the day, I think you've got to create a culture in your business. You've got to create a philosophy that everyone can stand behind and really go for it. And so for me, I think the biggest thing is to try to motivate my team is to understand how can I help them? Just like anyone else you have to be a great leader but you have to be willing to be in the trenches with them motivate people to a capacity that allows them to see the same things that you see and hopefully they can all create that culture together and so that's really one of our biggest things
1: sounds like leadership by example which i've always been a big proponent of well, let me ask you this one of the things that you do as you grow a company like yours or any company that's growing is you got to market your company you obviously have a very specific market that you're going after but how do you market your business in general?
2: Well, I think at the end of the day, you can't have enough marketing. And so we utilize some of the best platforms that are available today. So through social media, um, again, we do everything on you know Instagram. And, and we also do a direct-to-consumer marketing. So again, going back to the earlier conversation, we have two customers. So we have the physicians that we market to, and we also have patients that are our customers. So we have to do a good job of being able to facilitate both. So it's a unique environment because we have, again, two separate customers that we're targeting. But we believe in just, you know, going into a position, utilizing social media, direct to consumer marketing, letting patients and physicians know by literally going into their clinics or going into them and engaging them in an opportunity to understand what we do. And again, since we're such a, uh, you know, getting in a position of a bigger company, that sell sometimes can be a little bit challenging because we do so much. So we kind of keep that same mentality, even though we're a big business, we like to keep that, you know, kiss mentality, keep it simple, stupid. So we'll engage them on something that is, you know, relevant to what they're doing in their practice setting, and then kind of allow us to build that relationship. Because ultimately, that's what I think it's more telling than selling. We want to educate the patient, we want to educate the physician of what we do, and then allow them to understand that what we want is a relationship. We want to build that with you, make you more successful, and in the long term, we will all be successful together. Well, let me ask you this now. I would imagine I've never had, well, I've had a
1: little bit of experience in marketing to physicians, uh, but there's, they're the owners, I assume, that you're really marketing to. They're very busy people, hard to get to see. Uh, how do you market or how do you get through to the
2: owner slash physician? I think you have to have a sense of tenacity. And again, you have to understand that it is a very complex environment. There's a multitude of compliances that we have to follow to ensure that we're doing everything appropriately, and so again, we just have to have that realistic expectation. So not only is it myself and my team, but you know, writing out those goals, knowing what we can achieve, how we can achieve it, and do it that way, and set realistic expectations. And so, we we know you know Rome would not build in a day. So again, as long as we keep with it and keep as the train is going by, keep you know keep keep moving forward with everything and. And understanding that we are uh, all on the same path and we want to get to that same journey. Well, it makes a lot of sense to me. Well, let me ask you this. Now, you're,
1: you're marketing your product to me. Do a little hypothetical. Sure. The physician, you talk about the tenacity and, and, and keep moving like that slow-moving train, never stopping. <laughs> um, why would I buy your services, say, over a competitor? Why would I become interested and say, hey, this is the way I want to go?
2: Because— of our philosophy of putting the patient first. So again, we want to utilize our services as a a, a way to treat the patient as a, you know, a person as, as we would know their first and last name, we want to engage them because we, we still look at us as a very small company. Um, so we, again, we believe we kind of have almost a boutique of services, whereas we want to treat the patient as you know, any as as the a VIP, a very important patient. Whereas you go into other systems, they become a number. They get lost in just the, kind of the whole, you know, shuffling around. And again, that's because there's a difference on getting into a, a big system where everything is, you know, such a it's cost prohibitive, and they have to micromanage in that where we look at it as we can still do that same wonderful service, but put them in an environment where we can go above and beyond with the most important thing that we think when engaging a patient initially is that customer service. So we want to treat them very well from the moment they walk in to the moment they leave. We want that experience to be something that is, I mean, honestly memorable. Cause I mean, again, you got to think of it, it is healthcare. It is their, their life. So at the end of the day, we want to have that compassion whether they're coming in for an MRI or they're getting a, a pharmaceutical drug or they're getting a neurodiagnostic test, we want to ensure that we provide them with the utmost of care.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I think is important, too, as is you, is you build this company, uh, and I would tell this to my clients, I felt it was important when I was in business, is developing measures uh, or metrics of success for, for the business and also for myself. Talk to us about what your metrics are or how you developed them for your business, for yourself.
2: No, absolutely. So for us to define, you know, again, our ability to have success is to go on an expansion. So I'm a big believer in like kind of the 10x rule where it's, you know, we start at one and then we want to get to 10. How do we get from 10 to 100, et cetera? So what we want to do is basically touch more lives of patients that we engage with. So the more that we can expand with our education to these positions about what we do, then allows us to work with more patients, which ultimately allows us to touch more lives and help those people that are in need. And so, again, from our position of understanding that if we can continually take our culture, take our philosophy and expand and get ourselves in a position that we will then have, you know, our goals, our goals are to continually grow and achieve and diversify. I mean, again, with the volatility of our industry, we have to now look outside the box. We have small business owners who have been taught for from, from, I mean, many, many years about this is how we do healthcare. This is how we treat patients they don't have the position or the education that they were given to also understand how to run a small business. And so, again, that's where we kind of come in, involved and engage those physicians, those small business owners, and say, hey, look, this is how we navigate healthcare, and this is how we navigate the business of healthcare. Let's do it together. Let's work as a team, help your patients, help your business. And so, again, with all that, knowing that's our goal, we can really make that achievable.
1: Well, it makes sense to me. Speaking of business now, we and we talked about how the healthcare industry, I used the word turmoil, which might be too negative, but there's lots of challenges, huge business, $4 trillion again. What do you see the big challenges, not only to you, but to small businesses in the environment we're in, say, in 2018, or what we can look forward. What are some of generally the big challenges that y'all are facing that small businesses in general are facing?
2: I think the biggest challenge for small businesses is to put themselves in a position to make their goals realistic. A lot of people really shoot for the moon and it puts too much pressure on themselves to to achieve that level of success. If they could understand that at the end of the day, I can do things to my extent and put that in a realistic opportunity, I think then it'll become much more achievable. Um, and again, I, 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 um, I was guilty of that initially. I wanted you know, to shoot for the stars the first year and, and that's was unrealistic and it becomes humbling to understand that you have to kind of really position yourself to, to to have these achievable goals and have them written out and understand I can actually do this if I really work hard. And again, create that environment in yourself. That way you can articulate it to your team, create this culture, create a mindset of I want to improve every day to achieve this level of success and then define success. For some, it's monetarily, like we discussed, and some want to create legacies. I would love to do both. And so, again, that's my goal. And so I want to continually achieve that. And, again, going back even to what you talked about, the people. You have to have the right people around you that can also believe and and, and feed that enthusiasm to achieve that level of success.
1: We've got about a minute left, and I want to kind of back up something you and I talked about off air before we came on. And that was about a relationship, uh, the relationship of family and the balance. Share with us, because this is a huge challenge in small business, is to achieve that balance. Tell us what you do to achieve the balance that allows you time with your
2: three-year-old son, your family, and still build a very, very successful business. Uh, That probably goes to one of the most important things in businesses alone is time management. And so, again, uh, you know, before we, my first time I was here, you know, we were having a son. And so now he's three years old. And so that is literally my life right now is my son. And to have that balance is just putting things into what is a priority. And it's very difficult for a business owner to identify what is a priority and what isn't, or how to utilize your time in a way that takes care of both those priorities. And so again, I I look at it as like, I have two kids. I have my kid, which is my business. And I also have my son, which is also my kid. And so you really just have to put yourself in a position to manage that time. And again, have, have the real, the reality of knowing that, there are priorities that will supersede other things, but you can still do everything and have fun with it. And that's the biggest thing is I take every day as a new challenge and allow myself to really be there because again, I would love to leave a legacy for him. And as my father was such a great mentor and leader and someone I looked up to, I want that same thing for my son. So I I realized that, you know, you just got to put yourself in a position to understand that you can't do it all in one day. And so again, that helped, that's very helpful to keep that mindset. Well, I think you make a great point. Phil, I can't thank you enough for taking time. I know you're extremely busy
1: uh, to come in and talk to us and give us an update. Your company has advanced an unbelievable amount, its mission and whatnot. If people would like to learn more about what you do, what is the best place for them to get information?
2: Uh, Absolutely. You can visit our website at uh, www.advantiscare.com. And then also again going back into what we were discussing about diversification into the real estate so we also have a website that came up for that for our new project which is grand parkway and so that's going to be a huge project coming up for one of the most state-of-the-art medical plazas in the area so we're very excited for that as well
1: well again thank you so much for joining us and ladies and gentlemen we're going to go to our bottom of the
2: hour break and
1: when we come back we're going to have alan stroud who's one of our experts Come on and talk about the 2017-18 Tax Act and how it might apply to you and your small business. So I encourage you, please stay with us, and we'll be right back with you.
3: Human resources play a huge role in today's business world and can be a real challenge for small businesses. Allegra is a premier option in small business HR solutions and needs. Allegre HR Advisors provide help to small business owners by allowing them to focus on operational needs while providing solutions that address all areas of human resources. To find out more, contact Allegre HR Advisors today at 281-620-0713 or visit AllegreHr.com.
1: You are listening to the Weekly Business Hour, and this is Rick Schisler, founder of OneBestConsult.com and host of the Weekly Business Hour. And now we're to the expert corner, a place I like to visit every week to find out some, get some good information, some expertise. And we've got a wonderful expert with us today, Mr. Alan Stroud. He's a partner in Beck Law. He's also a CPA and has his master in taxation, among other certifications. Alan, good morning to you. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, I'm glad to have you because, you know, this tax act, is it the Tax Act of 2017 or 18? Which one is it?
0: It, it actually passed in 17.
1: So they're so, calling to so 17, it is not the act the 18. of
0: 17, but it's effective for 18.
1: Right. And I've had people tell me both ways, and that kind of gets hopefully the conversation going. There is still a ton of confusion out there, particularly in the business world. Uh, about what the Act has in store for businesses, small businesses. Uh, I can't help but every day I almost see an article about, well, this is what it means to you or to you. And if you have this kind of business, I think the Wall Street this morning said real estate businesses really benefit, you know, people own real estate. And I'm amazed how this conversation continues to go on and on and on. So hopefully you can help clarify some of the points for us individuals and small businesses. Uh, What would you like to start the discussion with?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I was on with you a few weeks ago, and we kind of went through some of the the business tax changes. I just thought we might start by highlighting those and then moving on to some other items that will affect business owners.
1: Sounds like a plan to me. Um,
0: some of the biggest changes, obviously, for the C corporate income tax, the rate was permanently reduced to a flat 21%. So that was probably one of the biggest changes that was made, and that's for uh, corporate income tax.
1: Now, that's the one of the things we've read about lately. Uh, I don't quite understand if it's being presented to us by the press in a negative light or whatever, but for an example, the large banks, which are always in the financial press, uh, have uh, had savings of 2 or $3 billion already. Uh, is that what they're really talking about—the fact that they're paying a much lower flat rate?
0: Absolutely, it is, and, and to some extent, some of those bigger companies, banks, and, and multinationals—they also got the benefit of of their income that's offshore. There's a vast reduction in the tax to allow them to bring it back. So, so those two things probably combine. To make the biggest savings for for large large corporations, particularly those that are multinational and have been kind of socking away income offshore because so it's too expensive to bring back, they've been just leaving it over there. Well, the incentive here, or one of the incentives of this act, was to allow them to bring it back, and so that's where we're hearing a lot of the news about some of these companies giving bonuses to employees or putting more money in their their U.S. facilities because they're able to bring some of that money that's kind of been trapped offshore back to the U.S. that they can invest here.
1: Well, and I think that's probably one of the more controversial positions, too, where the folks that are, let's call it anti-big corporation, anti-big bank, uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, claiming why should they get a lower rate. But when you bring billions of dollars back into the economy, I guess, and you sort of touched on it, uh, the hope is that that money will be reinvested, not just put in the in the bank, literally. Uh, that it and, will be that, reinvested. Uh,
0: that is absolutely the goal. Now, you know, they've they've tried the the tax cuts a couple of times in the past, and I think what history has kind of shown is maybe they're not so good at predicting how much future income that's going to raise. And so both times in the past that that's happened, um, we, we've actually had a shortfall of revenue and had to have a tax increase bill down the road. So hopefully this time they've got the projections in place that that we won't have to have that similar feature in there. But yeah, it's, it's so many factors to consider in the economy the variable of the economy is so difficult to predict. But for now, in this environment, the lower tax has already shown uh, pay has increased for the first, at a real number for the first time in in years. And so I think we are reaping some benefit of this tax act.
1: Right. It's so hard to take the the political aspect out of it. And like you say, this this economy is. is, is not only our economy, world economy, and and for you know every issue, there's 14 different opinions about what may that's or right. may not happen, and no one and, and will
0: not and will not know for in 10 years, right? Yeah, and, and then that's in 10 exactly years, right. well, this act isn't the only thing that the only variable. So who's to say in 10 years what really caused what happens in 10 years?
1: That's Right.
0: So it's, it's a difficult thing, and you're right. Both both sides use it to their own benefit in the argument, and I try to stay out of the political arena and just say, hey, these are the good things we can do right now.
1: Right. And like you say, it's already having some uh, definitive uh, advantages. Good things are happening. What are some of the other issues out there that you think our listeners would uh, need to know about?
0: One of the big ones is the 179, which is the immediate deduction of depreciable assets. The cap was raised from $500,000 to $1 million. So folks out there who are sitting there thinking, about investing in new equipment or buildings or something of that nature, that should help them get some immediate tax break because they can deduct up to a million dollars of those capital expenditures, where in the past it was only 500000 So there's some additional incentive there to really invest in your business to grow for the future.
1: You know, they've tried that before. I don't know if you're aware of what success or not that may have had. Uh, it seems like if it's a good idea, we need to continue to do it. Uh, and I know uh, you mentioned a building or equipment, whatever it might be. And I've had some clients that, you know, well, I'm not going to spend a million dollars. But over a period of time in a year, they want to buy a piece of equipment here, there, whatever. And it begins to add up, maybe not quite to a million. But it does provide an incentive to certain size businesses.
0: It, it absolutely does. But here, here's the danger, just as, as we're out there giving giving advice to folks. Sometimes people will say at the end of the year they're looking for a way to avoid taxes, and they'll say, well, you've got this 179 deduction. Why don't you buy a truck or buy something? If you don't really need it, yeah. it really doesn't make sense to buy it. So you don't let the tax tail wag the dog. So first and foremost, you've got to make sure it's a really good business decision for you. Secondly, then you say, hey, is there a way we can get some tax benefit? rather than doing it the other way around, buying stuff that you may not really need or may not really help your business doesn't help in the end, even if you get a tax break.
1: Well, you make an excellent point, needless to say. And unfortunately, too many small business people get lured into that uh, place where they absolutely driven by the all tax, the time, by the tax and individuals as well. Yeah. Any other things you'd like to point out to us in that business arena? Let's
0: see the, uh, The, another good one in the corporate area is that they eliminated the alternative minimum tax. I know for a lot of small and medium-sized taxpayers, that would get a lot of them, the corporate alt, alternative minimum tax. So, it, so it's nice to see that one go away.
1: You know, one of the ones, that, and I just had a conversation earlier today that, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't sound major, but the elimination of the write-off for entertainment expense.
0: Um, You know, that is a big deal. Um, Oh, yeah? (laughs) I think think what they're thinking there is that's probably something that will continue even without the tax deduction because it's so beneficial to most businesses. And so that was one of the few what I'll call penalties in in the law where they're trying to give us tax cuts and and provide incentives to do certain things. That was one that I guess they felt – hey, there, people are going to continue this activity anyway, even if we don't give them a tax break for it, so let's remove the tax break.
1: Well, I can tell you there's some small businesses, and I, again, I've had discussions with a half a dozen uh, over the last so, two or three weeks, and it's become kind of a conversation because of the write-off for, rest, for meals and uh-huh. discussion that that might be included, but yet they've got to write the regs, but no, it really wasn't supposed to be included. But the entertainment thing where they buy tickets to, uh, to venues, Sporting events and and realizing that was an incentive for some people to say well I just get to write it off not quite sure what that meant but they just got to write it off you know and right. and when I say well I don't think you can't write those off you need to check with your accountant uh, and and they seem stunned uh, now so I'm, I'm I think the jury's still out I think the large corporations yeah they'll they'll continue to spend that entertainment money but it'll be interesting just personally to me to see how many of the smaller business people those say grossing $1 million, $10 million a year, somewhere in that range, will continue their support, particularly of the high-dollar, uh, you know, pro sports and things like that.
0: Well, I think you're right. The season tickets and that type of thing, because those are expensive, and they're going to have to really consider, boy, if I can't write that off, is it worth it to my business to continue that program? That's an excellent
1: point. Yeah, I think you're going to see that. What other words of wisdom do you have for us today
0: well I, w- I want to take a quick look at some of the personal th- personal items that affect businesses so it's you know that they're not always unrelated uh, one of the things the new act did was take away personal exemptions so that you no longer have that idea of counting the number of people in your household and getting a deduction for that what what does that mean for employers well that means that it's going to have an impact on payroll and payroll withholding. So if you haven't already, you need to make sure you're, if you use a payroll company, make sure you've got the updated information. Uh, If you're doing your payroll on your own, you need to make sure that you're taking into account that the deductions and the withholding is gonna be different this year. And so you gotta make sure you're using the right new tables and all that kind of thing. Otherwise, you're not gonna be withholding correctly, which will potentially negatively impact your employees who, who are thinking they're gonna owe less tax, but if you're not withholding correctly, all of a sudden they may end up owing more.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a bad surprise to have as an employer, no doubt about it. Well, Alan, we've got, uh, it looks like about, uh, oh, about a minute left. What other advice would you like to share with us today?
0: Well, the last thing I'd say is, is the, the question I get asked a bunch is about the 20% deduction for pass-through entities. And, again, that's just a tricky one. It's, it's a way that someone who's a pass-through, they're trying to give you a, a deduction similar to the corporate reduction. But there are certain businesses that are just eliminated based on what type of business they are. So you need to get into your accountant, tax lawyer, whoever you're discussing these things with, and find out what's the best thing I need to do to make sure my business is positioned to take advantage of these new laws.
1: Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. Every one of us, and I know so many small business people reluctant to spend that time and the money typically to get some advice in general. I mean, these, these accountants, CPAs are your advisors, folks, and you need to use them as an advisor, not just to file a tax return or not to help you when you get in a jam. Have them as advisors, and I can't think of a better time, Alan, than right now with new changes in the tax law. Some things still up in the air about how they're going to come down, the regulations and whatnot, to, to encourage people to go in and see their tax advisors and get I the agree. new I agree. The time is now. Yeah.
0: If, if they wait till April 15th next year, <laughs> it's too late to do a lot of these things you need to do to take advantage of it this year.
1: Great point. Well, Alan, I appreciate you taking the time to join us in the expert corner. If people want to reach out to you and talk a little bit more about some of the things we've talked about today, what's the best way for them to reach you?
0: They can either reach us at 281-440-4777 or on our website at www.jrbecklaw.com.
1: Again, thank you, Alan Stroud, for your expertise. Always appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our final break of the day. And when we come back, I'm going to share with you what I call my one best consult tip of the week. How do I share my business information with my employees? So stay with us, I've got some great ideas for you.
3: Human resources play a huge role in today's business world and can be a real challenge for small businesses. Allegre is a premier option in small business HR solutions and needs. Allegre hr advisors provide help to small business owners by allowing them to focus on operational needs while providing solutions that address all areas of human resources to find out more contact Allegre hr advisors today at 281-620-0713 or visit allegrehr.com.
1: This is Rick Schisler, your show host and also the founder of One Best Consult. That's the number one best consult. I encourage you to visit our website at onebestconsult.com. I want to take a chance again to thank our show sponsor, Allegra HR. That's A-L-E-G-R-E-H-R.com. The place I encourage you to visit when you have HR challenges. And let me assure you, every business with employees has challenges Doesn't necessarily mean they're negative, but if you're going to build a good workforce, you need some outside assistance and consulting. And I can't recommend a better place for you to go in the small business world than AllegraHR.com. A reminder to you again, too, if you have a question or want to make a comment about what's going on here, that you can reach us at the station, Rick, R-I-C-K, at IRLoneStar.com. So please send me your comments, your questions, about something that someone said on the air or even about your business. Got a business issue? Would like another perspective? I'd be more than happy to help you with it. So please let us know. Well, it's the tip of the week, the one best consult tip of the week. How do I share my business information with employees? I'm sure a number of you've thought about or seen other companies that share their business information with their employees. It's a very delicate thing, in my opinion, to decide if you want to share that information. A lot of progressive, fast-growing companies do. They share the financial information or certain pieces of it, provided or combined with an incentive program for various levels of employees. Uh, It could be all the management employees, supervisory employees, could be all the people in the shipping department. Uh, It could be everybody in production. Obviously, sales already has certain numbers they see based on their own sales and revenue. But I'm talking about an overall sharing with your company and perhaps even all the way down to profitability. Again, it depends on you as the owner. It has to be right for you, the way you are, your personality, what kind of culture you've built in the company before you even look or really give a careful thought about sharing your information. And the first thing you have to decide if you're gonna look into this, obviously, is what kind of information. You've gotta first want it, as I mentioned, and then what kind of information at what level. I mean, for example, shipping department, how many ship, shipments go out on time, uh, an easy number that can be tracked on how many packages go out on time, or how many loads of this, I mean, deliveries made on time, there's all kinds of numbers, and you can tie a simple incentive to it. That's on one end of my scale, the other end is to share the profitability of the company, as I mentioned. So you've got to make a decision, okay, I'm comfortable in sharing information, what kind of information, what level. A lot of business owners are uh, motivated primarily because they want to empower their employees. They want to build a culture of highly empowered employees, all the way from the shipping department, to the head of accounting, to the management level, all the way through the company. They want to empower people and create a real team atmosphere. And they feel by sharing numbers, it's kind of that ultimate step, that you bind a team together based on financial results, revenue, less expenses, profitability. Again, you decide where you wanna go with the numbers and what numbers, but when you provide information, whether it's that simple, how many shipments went out on time or all the way to the full-blown revenue, minus expenses, equal profit, you're educating your workforce And believe it or not. And I mean, to me, this is a fact. You educate your workforce, they know what's going on in the business, then they can offer you better quality of feedback. You seek their input. Again, you have to open those doors. You've gotta decide you're gonna do that. But you build a much stronger workforce, in my opinion, which means a lot of different things. One is they're making better decisions on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis. People will stay with you. They'll feel personally empowered. They'll be more committed to the job. The biggest downside, though, i found of providing any kind of financial information my workforce is immediately upon providing it, it becomes in the public domain. That information goes in the public domain. You say, well, wait a minute, we have a confidentiality. But the reality is I go home and I tell my spouse, my spouse goes to the grocery store. She mentioned it to a neighbor. The information finds its way out. This is not a secret. Uh, It's not intentional. It's not uh, done to harm anybody, but it gets out. And you've got to be prepared to feel comfortable comfortable. That's why I'm so big on the individual, the owner of the business, feeling comfortable with each step in this process. If you decide to move forward to provide or, or share that information, then you've got to say, okay, how, when, what, and where you share that information. And in all cases, you need to build an education process into the plan that you have to do it. Educate your workforce. Just don't think that the fact that you set up a simple program in shipping that they're gonna keep track of what's on time and what's not, and they're gonna really understand that. Because let's face it, there are a number of elements of all into what goes out on time and what's delivered on time. I mean, there's some things out of our control. You've got to educate those people on what they can control, what might be out of their control. You've got a sense of fairness to build into this. And the only way to do is to educate. I personally recommend when I'm providing this kind of education, that I bring someone else. In other words, it's not a supervisor or a manager. I allow someone else, maybe somebody from accounting goes down to shipping, in my example. But you bring someone in that really is well-versed and can talk to them and answer their questions who they don't report directly to. I feel that makes the education more effective. Then you've got to decide what format, the information, what numbers you're gonna share. I believe in a spoon-fed approach where you ramp people up. Now, the shipping example Might be easy to ramp up, doesn't take too long, but if you're providing revenue, less expenses, profitability, then you've got to allow time for people to absorb. So maybe you start with revenue and you educate, you let them see those revenue numbers, then you talk about expenses, and then you see expenses, ties to their, directly to their operation, what they are, what part of the expenses they are, and so on and so forth. Ultimately, I think the greatest advantage is that employees will see, if done properly, the value in their participation. And again, you end with, up with a much stronger workforce and one that's more committed to working for you. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I would encourage you to put on a note on your calendar. Join us again next week, right here, Monday, 11 o'clock at irlonestar.com or FM 106.1, 104.5. And remember, you too can sponsor the Weekly Business Hour. All you got to do, send me an email, rick at irlonstar.com. I'll send you the details. And I encourage you to look for a podcast of today's show. It's the weekly hour, business hour page on IR Lone Star Facebook, our channel on YouTube. Thank you for joining us again. And remember to stay in touch with what's happening in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And until next week, stay engaged and keep your focus on what counts in your business.